Welcome to Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the TV shows that created the collective unconscious of those who know that it's a simple message and it comes from the heart. I am Hannah Leach, a multidisciplinary artist, podcast producer, and huge fan of my local PBS station. And I'm Audrey Leach, director, editor, producer, and survivor of a peanut-free lunch table. We are the sister duo also known as Tuping Productions, and we haven't stopped thinking about these shows since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the media that first inspired our love for pop culture in an attempt to answer the question, is it actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if it is. Today we are talking about PBS's Arthur. Every day when you're walking down the street, everybody that you meet has an original point of view. And I say, hey, what a wonderful kind of day. If you could learn to work and play and get along with each other. You got to listen to your heart, listen to the beat, listen to the rhythm, the rhythm of the street. Open up your eyes, open up your ears, get together and make things better by working together. It's a simple message and it comes from the heart. Oh, believe in yourself, for that's the place to start. Start and I say, hey, what a wonderful kind of day. Welcome back to Sleepover Cinema, your fave podcast. We are off camera today because we are actually in our mom's office at home in Cleveland and we're of compromised physical presentation abilities and also (sighs) we're very comfy and not in a recordable position. We hope you had a good Thanksgiving. We played the Wii on Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. It was fantastic. Um, Josh had never played Wii Sports Resort, so that was fun to witness. It was an all-around good time. I hope it was as good as it could possibly go for you. Now, before we get into the wonderful content of this week's episode, I have a trespass to own up to. I have received word via reviews that I didn't see until two days ago that I've been coming off as negative (laughs) on this podcast here. And I just want to say, I hear the note. I take it. I personally think I've turned it around lately. However, it's about impact versus intent. (laughs) And thusly, (laughs) today I'm going to make some positive comments, some positive observations. About me. About Audrey. Yes. I can start off with something positive about Audrey since she prompted me. Skin, perfect. I really, what else should I remark on? Oh, so you don't have positive comments? No, I have lots of positive things to say. I could could provide a deluge of positivity at any moment. So I guess maybe I should give it. Maybe I should give it. I feel as though I may have ruffled some feathers with my distaste for Hannah Montana. And here's the thing. I really like Miley Cyrus now. I mean, we didn't get any hate on that episode. So to be clear, nothing direct. Nothing direct. I just, mm, 
I just looked at the reviews and then I went back and I looked at the timeline of what had come out. Sometimes I do find things cringy, and, and but get, that's you know the what? point. Yes. <laughs> I've never been added in a review and it was a face crack, I'll be honest. <laughs> but... <laughs> It'll only they make got me stronger. Gal. They got me, gal. Like, damn. <laughs> I think I'm so sly. And then someone's like, she, two different people are like, Hannah needs to get a grip. I mean, I've actually been shocked that those sorts of comments haven't happened more. Not to you directly, oh. but just in general. Yeah. Well, it's like, like and okay, and the one reviewer. Like, oh, they're negative, you know? The one reviewer who was like, I understand that the point of this podcast is analysis. Mm-hmm. And so, like, there will be negativity. But, like, do we need? I feel like I'm not actually hating though I feel like yes in your heart of hearts yeah but if someone doesn't know you yeah your tone probably would portray a stronger feeling than you're actually having I do speak in hyperbole yes yeah you'll speak in hyperbole be like this show makes me want to eject my eyeballs from my face and they they fall into hot oil and then you know well and the funny thing is too is like I very specifically went to the timestamps of when the reviews happened and what we had covered and like we hadn't covered anything that I hated so I don't know what what did it just an overall effect (laughs) just my overall personality (laughs) who knows but really the point of this is that I'm hearing the note. <laughs> I'm not mad about the note. I feel like that thing in Princess Diaries where she's changing on the beach in the tent and mm-hmm. then someone rips down the tent and she's standing there naked. That's yep. what I felt like when I saw those. But you pride yourself on being able to take a note. I can correct? take a note. I do pride myself on the ability to take a note. And therefore, if I ever say anything deeply negative, I will counteract it. <laughs> I'm going to go. Arr, arr, arr. <laughs> I think that's a good way for us to approach this. We can do a negativity check. That would be really funny. As I think that's a fantastic idea. I think <laughs> we should do it. You can just tone police me yeah. for the rest of the uh, life of Sleepover Cinema. Thank you all. Thank you, brave, brave, honest reviewers. I will strive to be less of a hater. <laughs> Thank you very much. Are you ready to talk about Arthur? Yep. Okay, so Arthur premiered on PBS on October 7th, 1996, and it ran with new episodes until February 21st, 2022 for 25 seasons, which is pretty incredible. Almost basically my exact lifespan. Yeah, yeah. Very close. Mm -hmm. And at the time of, as of when Arthur ended, it was the longest running children's educational show on TV. Even though, is it educational- Yeah. It is. I guess it is. But it's educational about social things. Yeah, social intelligence. Yeah. I love the show. Okay. Yeah. Positivity. I love this show (laughs) because I do. Here are the synopses. The IMDb synopsis is based on the books by Mark Brown. These are the adventures of Arthur, an eight-year-old aardvark and his family and friends as they grow up and learn how to be good neighbors to one another. Rotten Tomatoes. Be spectacled, mm-hmm. aardvark. Arthur Reed demonstrates to kids how to deal with such childhood traumas and challenges as homework, teachers, and bullies. He also has to contend with his sisters, but loves playing with his friends, tomboy Francine, foodie, and best pal Buster, super smart brain, rich girl Muffy, and geography expert Sue Ellen. Okay, I did not know Sue Ellen was a (laughs) geography expert. Also, they didn't even include Binky in there. I know. I think it's because he's a frenemy. Stupid. Okay, (laughs) they're all frenemies. That's something we'll talk about later. Yeah, we'll get into that. (laughs) Um, 
Common Sense Media. The eight-year-old title character of the animated series, Arthur, is a sweet, curious kid with more than his share of self-consciousness. He shares insecurities, adventures, and the spotlight with a varied cast of friends and family members. Although technically Arthur is an aardvark and his friends are other kinds of animals, they act just like real people. Based on the book series by Mark Brown, Arthur premiered in 1996 and is a recipient of the George Foster Peabody Award and multiple daytime Emmy Awards for Outstanding Children's Animated Program. And then I just thought this was fun. The genres that Arthur has been sorted into include comedy drama, slice of life, problem solving, and edutainment. All those feel accurate Edutainment. Yes. What is each episode like? I wrote this myself, and this is how I would describe it. Each 26-minute episode of Arthur includes two relatively short segments, each one normally containing one plot centered around one character. Normally Arthur, but not always. Episodes centered around relatable issues for the average 8 to 11-year-old, ranging from the everyday, needing to get glasses, to the serious, divorcing parents, PTSD, etc. In between each segment, there was a live-action segment featuring real kids, either a word from us kids, where Boston-area elementary school children were asked to speak on topics including included in that specific Arthur episode or postcards from you where kids would submit videos of their lives. How did Arthur come to be? So Arthur was based on the book, the book series by Mark Brown, who was a producer for all 25 seasons and was an executive producer for the second half of the run of the show. His original book, the first one in the Arthur Adventure series, was called Arthur's Nose, and it released in 1976. And if you're curious what the synopsis was, it is. In Arthur's Nose, first grader Arthur decides that he doesn't like his nose. He goes to the rhinologist to change it, but ultimately decides, to the relief of his friends and family, I'm just not me without my nose. Luckily for readers today, Arthur is still Arthur, even without the original elongated proboscis. So there were 56 books in the original series, and WGBH, which is the PBS station in Boston and PBS in general, approached Mark Brown about adapting Arthur into a TV series, which he originally wasn't into, but then he changed his mind when he found out that the angle of the show would specifically be to encourage children to read. The last Well, that kind of doesn't make sense. <laughs> I know. But it's it. I mean, his last name was Reed. Yeah, but like you're still watching a show. I don't know though. I feel like Arthur was pro reading. No, the show was pro-reading, but you're not reading when you watch the show. But that's because it's encouraging reading. You can't I encourage like, reading by okay, reading. Okay, well, I'm obsessed with the show. No, you encourage reading by making Arthur books exclusively. Like, I understand why he didn't want it to be a show. True. Well, you they probably I mean? were like, well, we'll make it. Right, that's actually what he what it said is that he like originally didn't respect the media form. Yeah. yeah so. And it's not that... I think it should be respected, but I also understand his point because if the kids are obsessed with Arthur the show, they're not going to... Yeah, that's true. You know? That's really true. The last book of the series was published in 2011, which I found to be sort of strange, but the second to last book that was published came out in 2000. So I think that makes sense. It was like a, like a victory lap to do the 2011 book. When Mark Brown was asked why he stayed involved with the show for so long, because a lot of the time, like, a creator will be there at the beginning and then, like, have to leave for whatever reason or choose to leave, he said this. 
I still have the same feeling I had when PBS came to me and wanted to put Arthur on television. This was in 2022, by the way. I had invested 15 years before that in the characters, and I was getting lots of letters from kids. It felt like a little family, and I wanted the characters to be faithful to my vision. And so I've been a guard in the corner in that way. Both these quotes I pulled from a Q&A that the New York Times did when the series was coming to a close in 2022. So the interviewer asked him, when the New York Times talked to you in 1996, shortly after the first episodes aired, you were getting 100,000 letters a year from kids. How much fan mail do you get these days? And he said, I get letters asking for Francine's phone number. Well, Francine doesn't have a phone number. Years ago, I was really stupid. In the book, Arthur's Thanksgiving, I put our home phone number in the illustration of a bulletin board that says, call Arthur at 749-7978. Every Thanksgiving, the phone began to ring and ring and ring. My wife, Lori, had the best response. You'd hear a little voice say, hello, is Arthur there? And she'd say, no, he's at the library. That was when we lived outside Boston. It went on for a few years. That's just like yeah, very that's cute. cute. <laughs> that feels. He very, didn't answer the question though. Which like, is what? How much fan mail yeah, do you get? Like yeah, like I want right. the number. I know. I'm curious too. That's a good point. You're really here with the observations today. <laughs> Damn. So now moving on to the cast of the show and the production of the show. So it's really interesting because there were like a ton of moving parts involved in this. So the episodes were primarily written and produced by WGBH in Boston, which is again, their PBS station. Acom production company in South Korea was like, they were outsourced to do the animation from season one to 11, and then Animation Services Hong Kong took over. The entire voice cast of Arthur lives or lived in Montreal or Toronto, where Cookie Jar Entertainment Studios are located. And then, okay, I fell down a little bit of a rabbit hole with Cookie Jar Entertainment that I do feel like is just interesting, which is that Cookie Jar Entertainment was originally known as Sinar, which was a very successful children's media company. But then in the 2000s, they became the subject of multiple business scandals, including receiving over $50 million in tax benefits from the Canadian government, even though they ultimately were paying American and like foreign contractors with that money, which is like specifically not what you're supposed to do. They were accused of having offshore accounts to transfer money out of the company. They were also accused of plagiarism, obfuscation of screenwriter credit. And ultimately, over a decade later, these scandals would result in criminal charges, convictions, and fines for four suspects. It was corrupt over there at Zionar, it turns out. And now getting to the voice cast. So there was a lot of turnover in the lifespan of the Arthur series. In fact, there's so much turnover that over the course of 25 seasons, there were nine different Arthurs, nine different TWs, which were all men, except for the flash forward episode at the very end of the series. There were eight different brains and with the Tibble twins, there were six people per twin. So it turned over six times, but there were some voice actors that stuck around the entire time. So Buster the bunny was always played by Daniel Broku, Additional crew in Titanic. He was also in The Devil Zone and The Cable Guy. He's done a ton of voice work since then. Then we have Francine, who was voiced by Jodie Rezther, who is a black woman, by the way. So we were talking about that with one of the episodes we covered, which we'll get to later. 
She's in Are You Afraid of the Dark, Death Wish, and I'm Not There. Then Muffy was played by Melissa Altro, who was the voice of Pippi Longstocking in the, I think, 1997 animated version. She was also in Deep Impact and Gran Turismo as additional crew. Then we have Binky Barnes and Mr. Reed, played by the same guy. The actor for both those roles is Bruce Dinsmore, who is hot, it turns out. He was the voice of Paul Revere in Assassin's Creed 3, which I thought was funny. And he was also in Relative Fear and Brick Mansions. And then lastly, we have Mr. Rappern slash Bionic Bunny, who was played by Arthur Holden. He was in Whiteout, Race, To Catch a Killer, and X-Men Days of Future Past. Those are the people that were holding it down over all those years. Now, one of the recurring questions with Arthur characters is that they're like anthropomorphized to the point where they don't really look like animals anymore. Mm -hmm. And so here is a list of what animals each character is. So Arthur is an aardvark. We knew that already. And so is DW and his parents and Kate, the baby. Binky is a bulldog, which I was very surprised by and probably should not have been that surprised by. But nevertheless, I was surprised. Buster is a rabbit, which we can tell. Francine and Muffy are both monkeys, Mm -hmm. which they don't I mean, they look the same. They're just different colors. Yeah. But like, they do look like the same. Yeah. Which also makes it like racialized yeah. sort of, which is like something else we'll talk about. Then we have George, clearly a moose. Prunella, who is a rat. And Fern, who is a dog. They're all really... Mr. Ratburn is the only one who really is all that rat-like. But not even... I, of course, could not forget to mention that there were a lot of high-profile guest stars on Arthur. So here's the list. Alex Trebek, Jane Lynch, Michelle Kwan, Idina Menzel, Art Garfunkel, Matt Damon, Joan Rivers, Yo-Yo Ma, Joshua Redman, Alan Cumming, oh my God, Fred Rogers, Larry King, Philip Seymour Hoffman, BJ Novak, and John Lewis. Very PBS. People love to roll up on this show. It's beautiful. And I remember the Garfunkel episode quite well. Okay. Critical reception. Arthur received five stars. Parents need to know that despite the fun, lighthearted nature of Arthur, its social lessons, which cover a wide range of situations, are more complex and original than you'll find in most cartoons. Children of any age can watch alone, but those five and over will understand the stories best. The show explores the challenges of sibling relationships through Arthur and his sister DW. It's worth noting that sometimes their arguments can be a little too true to life, i.e. loud and whiny. (laughs) (laughs) Just as Arthur is a smart boy with lots of playful energy, the show is both educational and lighthearted, weaving themes in so well that they seem to result from rather than instigate the story. Viewers of Arthur will find demonstrations of solving problems creatively, appreciating differences, and other lessons on display. Situations resolve creatively rather than predictably. In one episode, for example, Arthur's smart friend, Brain, refuses to go to a birthday party at a water park, and the kids get mad and accuse him of being stuck up. Arthur is torn between sticking by his friend and sticking with the group. Rather than choosing sides, he investigates and figures out that Brain has a fear of water. Brain doesn't get over his fear of water. Instead, the episode helps viewers see that it's okay to be afraid of something and to admit your fears. So cute. Audience reception. I feel like the best way to explain 
the audience's like love and affection for Arthur is best demonstrated through the way that Arthur lives on in memes and on the internet. Not dissimilar to the way SpongeBob does, Mm -hmm. but SpongeBob and Arthur are not the same. So it kind of has a different flavor to it. But one of my favorite memes of all time is the tired DW meme where she has the bags under her eyes. Or the, um, I can't read this sign one. Yeah. Whatever that one is. Yeah. I forget what it says. Yeah. The DW looking at the sign. Arthur Fist, of course, Mm -hmm. is very much a meme. Also just like, clips of the characters getting mad at each other and saying funny things. Those are very widely distributed. Arthur said my face looks like a watermelon except for the bad haircut. There's also, I've seen a good amount of funny TikToks of people of color going through the cast of Arthur and hypothesizing on what race they actually are instead of whatever animal race they're placed into. And those are funny as well. The cast of Arthur is all black. Even Buster. Buster is white. But come on, he's gang. Look at him posted up in the picture. Personally, I don't think they were all black. I think he is from Guatemala or El Salvador or something. Arthur and DW are mixed. Brain is black, but he's scared of black people. That's why he hangs out with them. Muffy is definitely Hispanic. He's definitely Puerto Rican, Dominican, or Colombian. And of course, it's obvious, but Francine is black. She was always on Tommen. She's like that. Also, when Mr. Rapburn eventually got married, mm-hmm. gay married, that circulated a lot at the time. Yes. It's not really iconic or necessarily a meme, but it definitely made its rounds. Yeah, people being like, gay rat, there's a gay rat on Arthur. Our memories of Arthur. Always loved this show. I had not watched Arthur in a really, really long time until we rewatched episodes for this program right here. I had an Arthur doll when I was younger and his head was made out of like styrofoam. And when you squeezed it, it would say, I love to read. (laughs) And what else did I have that was Arthur related? Like Loki, wasn't our The Talk book an Arthur book? That's a really good question. Is it illustrated by Mark Brown? I think it might literally be in there right now. Yeah. Hold on. Let me let me see if I can find it. That's it. I'm dead. Okay, Audrea, such a good memory. I just walked to the closet and found it instantly. It's called What's the Big Secret? (laughs) And it is written by Lori Krasny Brown and Mark Brown. Wait, are they a couple? Just so you know, on the back it says, are boys and girls different inside? How do you tell girls and boys apart? Do girls and boys have the same feelings? Is sex a dirty word? Where do babies come from? What does being pregnant mean? How do you get a belly button? Tell me about when I was a baby. Oh my God, I'm looking at it right now. Wait, does this have the drawing of it though? I was so confused. Does this have the... (laughs) (laughs) I just got to the body (laughs) diagram page. Uh, I know there's one where it like... This book is very surface level. It's very surface level and it's very like the care and keeping of you ish. Oh my God. Okay. After this, I'm going to find the one with the actual sex diagram. Because it's just like easy answers, nothing to. And it's like diagrams of reproductive organs, but But on children. I hated that they put shoes on him. (laughs) Yeah, it's a boy body. Naked a boy (laughs) with. Shoes and socks. It's the opposite of the uh, pit crew I know this is like wrong to take a picture of. Like maybe I'll do some kind of like. um, Censoring. Yeah. Yeah. 
But like why they have to do them like <laughs> it's so weird. These male and female body parts that show on the outside are called your genitals. Boys' genitals are easier to see than girls, but both are equally important. Oh my god. Actually, the only sure way to tell boys and girls apart is by their bodies. I mean That's interesting. If we're going bi- full biological and it's also the 90s. Yeah, it's not the, the fact worst. that they even said they're both equally important. Boys and girls also use the toilet differently. <laughs> you may hear all kinds of words used to talk about girls and boys' genitals. There are personal names, silly names, even rude, insulting names called swears. Ooh. Some of us don't know what to call them. Find out the correct names for as many parts of the body as you can. Is this about privacy? Uh, yeah, this is about looking... You may be curious about how other bodies look. Just remember that everyone's privacy needs to be respected, including yours. Wow. Wow. I had a feeling this existed. You had the number. You knew exactly. All living things, plants, animals, and people make other things that are just like them. Cats have kittens, dogs have puppies, people have babies. The sexual parts of girls and boys are made differently so that when they grow up, they are able to create babies and become parents. However, not every grown-up is a mother or a father. You can be a woman or a man and not be a parent if you so choose. (laughs) And then they just talk about like genes deciding a baby's skin. Why are they using the word intercourse? Why? What do you mean? What kid knows the word intercourse? What other word are you going to use, though? I don't know. It's their job to figure it out, not mine. I mean, tell the. I think the whole point of this is use the real word. Use the right word. Don't just right. But like, do they explain what it means on the page before or something? And then it's like how a baby grows in a stomach, in a not in a stomach, but you know how adults always say that to kids. Yeah, it's because they don't want to say stomach. They don't want to say uterus. Yeah, you know, and then it's just, it's, it, I feel like this is less about like sex literally and more about like the whole process. Like where do babies come from? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Mark Brown, for that cultural contribution. But for today, enjoy being the girl or boy you are right now with a body, mind, and spirit all your own. Aww. Body, mind, and spirit all your <laughs> own. That's so cute. Okay. Well, he did that. And then, okay, there's some other things. Yeah. So, We went to, in like 2001 or something, we went to like this weird little studio thing. Oh, yeah. It was some kind of PBS thing. (laughs) There was like a children's museum-esque part of the PBS station in Boston because they also produced Zoom. Yeah. And- Come on and Zoom. Yeah. That one. Yeah. And I wish we had, I mean, I'm sure there is a photo Mm -hmm. or some photos- And maybe I'll be able to find them, but it was very fun. I remember that. And it was cool because they had this like green screen situation set up where you go stand in front of the green screen and you look at the monitor and you can see that you're in like Arthur's world or or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. So that was cute. Yeah. And then other than that, it was like Arthur was just like a go-to that we watched all the time. And there would be moments where like in one of the episodes that we covered the allergy one where like you would all of a sudden be super seen by an episode like out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. And you just be like, oh. Like that's about, that's what my life is like. Yeah. Yeah. Watching Arthur, getting access to Arthur is a little convoluted. It's on Amazon Prime and it's on HBO, but it requires a certain level of like extra access to watch the earlier seasons. 
you can watch some like kind of grainy versions of them on YouTube for free, which... But that the monthly cost is $1.25. Yeah. Or $0.45? I think it was 25 It's worth it, I would say. So go and uh, immerse yourself in some Arthur. If you want to know what episodes that we covered, it is season one, episode one, Arthur's eyes slash Francine's bad hair day. Season three, episode 11, Arthur's almost live, not real music festival. Season nine, episode three, Arthur weighs in. Season nine, episode 10, Binky goes nuts. And season seven, episode 10, April 9th. So... Give some of those a watch and meet us back here for a little Socratic seminar. Yep. Thank you. (laughs) BRB. BRB. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death of a Film Star. Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs. Hello, everyone. My name is Matt Neglia, and I am the host of the Next Best Picture podcast, part of the Film Entertainment Awards website, nextbestpicture.com. On our show, we explore all year long what is possibly going to win Best Picture at the Oscars. We do this by conducting interviews with people within the film industry, holding weekly reviews of the latest theatrical releases, and on our main show, where we dive into various different topics, answer your fan questions, and also do our best to explore Oscar history's past in hopes that it will tell us something new for this upcoming award season race. We hope that you will join us on all of the various podcasting networks. We look forward to seeing you over at nextbestpicture.com. Sleepover Cinema, everybody. It is time for us to talk about Arthur, PBS's beloved, beautiful, perfect cartoon program. The first episode we're going to talk about is the very first episode of Arthur that ever existed on TV. It is season one, episode one, Arthur's Eyes slash Francine's Bad Hair Day. This episode aired on September 1st, 1996, and the synopsis is, for Arthur's eyes, it is, Arthur has vision problems and discovers that he needs glasses. And then for Francine's bad hair day, Francine gets ready for school pictures by changing her hair and the way she acts. So, what did we think of this episode? The theme song for Arthur is... 
exquisite and fantastic and so good. Such a unique composition also. Like even singing it now as an adult, it feels so like all over the place, but like in a good way. Love that about it. Well, I thought firstly, contacts exist. Yes, but he is eight. I Well, I got contacts when I was like 12. Right, which is 12. I don't know. I just feel like if it was that much of a problem, he can get it done. Okay. (laughs) You're not wrong. Also, I very quickly was struck by how small Arthur is. Mm -hmm. I did not realize he was so small. But you can only tell that when there's adults in the shot, which is so funny. It's very symbolic. Yeah. Yeah. Because you don't, like, you always think Binky is, like, six feet tall. He's not. And then when you see him next to his mom, you're like, oh. Like, that's a child. He's really small. Right. (laughs) Speaking of the parents, one thing that I find to be really true about Arthur, especially now that I'm older and watching it, is that the world of Arthur is one in which all of the adults are, like, nice, responsible caring and boundary following. There are like no problematic adults. And I think as a viewer, it's very comforting. Mm -hmm. And I do kind of wonder if it represents like an oddly flat version of what adults are like or a sense of like innate trust in adults Mm -hmm. that maybe some adults don't earn. But Negativity buzzer going off on that one. I really like that the parents are like that in this show. Yeah. And also it's like modeling. Right. You know, like you can't change. Obviously you can't change your parents or whatever, but maybe the children could see how Arthur's parents deal with things and yeah. be like, well, you that just might make you more miserable if your parents suck. Yeah. There was like, a there's quirky adults. They just yes. aren't inappropriate, which obviously they're not. Like, right. It's a children's show. Right, right, right. I was also really noticing that during the A Word From Us Kids segment in the middle, they were talking a lot about like physical appearances and how it like impacts the way people treat them or how they treat each other. They're like, I look like this. I'm beautiful. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. But they didn't actually talk about like the problems. Well, right. So what I was going (laughs) to say is, so this class, even though it's in Boston, was like really diverse. It was probably like 40% black kids and like 60% white kids probably. And they were very much like, it doesn't matter what you look like on the outside. It just matters who you are on the inside, which like is true. What you feel. Yeah. That was the quote. Oh, yeah. She was like, it doesn't matter what you look like. It's about how you feel, which is like really cute. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's so interesting because I think that now, at least in like PBS circles, there's a lot more emphasis and like interest placed in cultural differences. And yeah. I almost feel like they did. I mean, this show doesn't follow that example, but I feel like shows did a better job of celebrating cultural differences when we were children rather than now. I agree. With certain shows like Disney Channel, we've talked about Mm -hmm. that. It's not, you know, there's no like blandification. Yeah. Um, But in this particular instance, probably because 
in these middle sections, there it's like a documentary section. Like yeah. they're dealing with actual children, not mm-hmm. a portrayal of children. So in a, in, if you're going to talk to actual kids, um, you're going to probably have to take that route because you don't want to offend anybody. It's just interesting when you're watching this show and when you're an adult and you're able to really enjoy it and still connect to it in a certain way. And then it immediately goes to a documentary segment where you see the target audience for Mm -hmm. the show. And you're like, oh, these are like six-year-olds. And that's who is intended to watch this. And I'm like, wow, I feel lucky to have been a six-year-old who had Arthur in my life. Also going back to the cultural diversity and like celebration thing you were talking about, It feels like when we were younger, it truly came from a place of wanting to educate kids on diversity of cultures from a place of like responsibility or a place of genuine interest instead of a place of doing it to not be problematic or like doing it to say that you did it. Yeah. And I think Arthur is a good representation of that. Mm -hmm. In terms of, okay, Okay, which sort of leads me to, so, okay, in Arthur's eyes, Arthur gets glasses. That's pretty much what happens. In the second story of the first episode, it all centers around Muffy trying to help Francine take a better school picture. And I guess Muffy's not the main character of the episode, Francine is, but Muffy is very much white-coded and Mm -hmm. Francine is black-coded, like, not... But like in a way where you could not see it if you weren't looking for it. But we were really thinking about it when we were watching it. Yeah. And they just like, they give her a makeover and stuff and they kind of portray her hair as being black hair. Yeah. Not necessarily in its straight form, but when Mm -hmm. they do the hair, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, they made two comments where like uh, Muffy brings Francine to her hairstylist and the hairstylist totally messes up Francine's hair. And she's like, it always works on Muffy's hair. Mm -hmm. Just things like that where... It, it feels very clearly like a parallel to what a black girl's experience would be. And like, think of all like the little black girls that would have felt seen by that plot line. Like kind of how you were saying, like, it's all fun and games until an Arthur episode is specifically about your life circumstances. I could just see that being a thing for some girls and just children out there. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder though about like, because Arthur is not afraid to make any character a bully for one episode yeah yeah and it's kind of weird like it reminds me of like victorious where everyone's a bully for some reason and you're like okay how are you friends if everybody's mean um what are you thinking of specifically well just like in the every episode different characters are laughing at other characters for some plight that they're having and it's like these people would not be a friend group if you decide collectively to laugh at each person yeah. <laughs> whenever I mean, they have a problem. I will say the majority of the brutality was in the first episode that we covered. So maybe it Not was. Not really. You don't the, think so? The Arthur Ways In one was really bad. The Arthur The Ways allergy. In. They always get made fun of at some point. I mean, yeah. But that's also what it's like to be a little kid. No, I mean, I didn't get made fun of for having allergies. Like not in a, not in this, they're just very blatant with it. Like it's, it's like, ha 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 ha, you're a nerd. Like it's like, yes, that does happen. But like this, these children are supposed to be friends. Like, 
have other characters who do that. Yeah. Right? I guess. I don't know. I don't know, because I think it's also about learning a lesson on how to be a dick as a friend. But... Yeah. But sometimes it's completely unexplained. And it just... They just change with, like, no, like... Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Prompting. Before we move on to the next one, I just want to say that when Francine is getting her hair done, they just, like, fully give her curtain bangs. And I thought that that was funny. Yeah. And then they're not even in the final look. I know. It's weird. I know. But I was paying attention to it. I, I guess last thing I'll say is it does feel like a very representative beginning of the show. It's not like a spectacularly hardcore kickoff to the series, but tonally it fits with everything that comes after it. It doesn't have that feeling of the pilot being super different from other episodes. And it it's like instantly comfortable. <laughs> The next episode, season three, episode 11, Arthur's Almost Live, Not Real Music Festival. This episode premiered on February 7th, 1999. And the synopsis is Arthur and the gang create their own music videos. This episode is one of those episodes where you watch it and you can tell that the people that made it were having like the most fun ever. Mm I mean, we just had to include it because I feel like it's the thing that most people remember from the show. Yeah. Is like one of the songs at least. Um, But it really has no like relevance to the show other than the fact. Yeah, it really doesn't. It's kind of just there. It's like, it's very much a standalone episode. But like if you watched Arthur, you remember having fun isn't hard when you've got a library card. That song with the same choreography over and over again, similar to the Jekyll and Hyde song that Brain sings, which is also a song that we've like sung in our lives ever since we saw it. And then there is a song that's Arthur and his dad, like- Oh, there's actually, yeah, there is four songs. What's the other one? Homework. Oh, how could I forget Just a Little Homework? I actually sing Just a Little Homework all the time. Just a little homework. Now that the school day is through, I've got something special for you. I hope it's ice cream. Just a little homework tonight. Yeah, and then the other one is um, Arthur and his dad, Andy W. Mm -hmm. And they're just lamenting over how bad the dad's cooking is, basically. Yeah. The song is in such a high key that Arthur and DW are like absolutely screaming out their notes, but it's really, really funny to listen to as an adult. And I was smiling like the entire time watching this episode. The flow of the verses on the library card song, it's incredible. Yeah. And it's so- Fuck you, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Seriously, Lin-Manuel found it. (laughs) it. I just had a smile on my face the whole time. The lyrics were really clever. You're just happy for the people that made it and recorded it as you watch it. So that one's mostly just for serotonin. Yep. So now the next episode. This was a me pick. It is season nine, episode three. It is called Arthur Weighs In. It first aired on December 21st, 2004. To me, this is the Husky episode. The synopsis is... When Arthur doesn't fit into his costume for the play, he's shocked to learn that he's gotten, quote unquote, husky sized. Now he's serious about getting in shape. So the episode proceeds to be an episode about Arthur losing weight. I'm kind of 
of conflicted about this episode. Because the whole thing is that it's a pair of pants that he's supposed to be wearing in a costume for a play that he's in. And he kind of can't button them at the beginning. He's stressed about it. He asks his mom to take him to the store so he can get pants that do fit. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, Arthur, our store only carries very limited husky sizes. Yeah. So he's like husky. And then he takes the issue to his friends and he's like, do you guys think I'm husky basically? And they're like, I wouldn't say you're fat, but there's certainly more of you lately. Yeah. Do I look husky to you guys? Husky? Husky? You husky? Nah, you don't look husky. What's husky? It means I'm fat. I had to get new pants yesterday. Husky pants. Oh. You don't seem surprised. Well, you're definitely not fat. But you are out of breath, and there has been more of you lately. This is horrible. What am I going to do? I've got it. This is easy. You just need to go on a diet. Uh, Okay, so there's one thing where, like, for example, when there was that reference earlier that we read, which was about brain, about the brain not wanting to go to the water park because he's scared of water. And so they accept him Mm -hmm. and it's all fine. It's kind of like... Why is this the thing that needs to change? Yeah. Or it's like, if there's limited husky sizing, why wouldn't they be championing for more husky sizing? And I think... That is the usual philosophy of Arthur is is not changed to fit in, but it is accept and expand. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, totally. And Expand on the topic. Yeah. I think that it does a really, it does some interesting things because Arthur's like, I'm fat. But okay, but first of all, he like looks the same as his friends. So like that's kind of weird. And he looks the same also that he ever has. Yeah. It's It's, just like the pants change. Yeah. But- Because then in his case, it's kind of like, okay, what if you just grew? Like you're a child. Yeah. It's not like, you know, you grow out of your clothes constantly as a child. Absolutely. And I do think that it kind of introduces the concept of like putting children on diets, even though there is a part where brain is like, it is not, diets are not for kids. Yeah. Unless prescribed. But then they're like, unless prescribed by a doctor, which like, mm, you can. Well, you know, there could be. A diet, like, for example, gluten-free or some shit. Yeah, yeah. Like, even Buster makes a joke about, like, diets never working for his mom. But but the thing is, is that it's not even really a joke. He was like, she just says she always gains it all the way back. I mean, that's factual. It is factual. And kind of what they are actually... The emphasis of the episode is, like, do physical activity and, like, eat a vegetable sometimes. Yeah, which Which isn't... It's not bad. bad advice, but at all. In fact, that's great advice for children. Yeah. Stay active. They, the little middle thing with the children was about staying active, not about yeah. losing weight. Right. But there was just a way they could have done this episode without involving weight loss at yes. all. They could have simply just had him, because all those moments where he's like eating chips on the couch and being lazy, that's yeah. all still real. And yeah, yeah, he should do that less regardless of anything having to do with weight. Mm -hmm. Like they could have just done a storyline about um, maybe like, because remember there's also that part where Mr. Rapburn is like, you need, you know, an assignment where you take 10,000 steps a day. Yeah, yeah. It could have all just 
right. focused around that and how he, all these various ways that Arthur like tries to get out of it, shortcut it. Yeah. And then, you know. Yeah. Well, and kind of also in the, um, in the beginning, it's like he can't fit into his pants and then he's like trying to play a game with his friends and he gets like really winded really easily. Like it could have just been about getting winded. Yeah. It didn't have to be about like having to lose weight. I will say, even though there were, there were a couple really funny parts of the episode. Like I think the most that we laughed the entire time watching all these episodes was that Brain gives Arthur some little like shortcuts or, you know, like new things to implement into his healthy lifestyle. And he goes and does a bunch of them. And then he goes back to brain. More water, less sugar, yeah. fruit, et cetera. Yeah. And he goes back to brain and he's like, see, look, I did everything you said and my pants still don't fit. And the brain is like, well, it's been three hours. <laughs> and that, I think like that kind of sense of humor being brought to the subject kind of made it like less like hulking feeling to me. I thought that it was like a nice thing to bring a sense of humor to. I did think it was really funny when like Arthur and Mr. Ratburn have this conversation where Mr. Ratburn's like, you may not believe it, but I was once a fatty rat. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That His little story is not like... I think that should have been excluded. He was like, I found out that I was great at ping pong. And I'm like, ping pong is not really known for its aerobic intensity. But yeah, yeah, like just the fact, the reason I don't like that it was there is because he made it sound like he worked out a lot when he was 20 and he's looked exactly the same ever since. Right, like you do it once and then it's done. Yeah. Yeah, I think that really... For some kids and some people, like your weight is not really in your control. And when it's so moralized like that, it's like, it's going to be tied to you being a bad person in your mind. And you don't want to even put that in the kid or in the mind of a first grader. It's going to get there one way or another, but like Arthur doesn't need to be the one. No, because they, they assigned like a moral failing to it when you know, he could only be confident performing at the school play when yeah. the, once the pants fit. And that's, to me, that is the thing that the episode really got wrong mm-hmm. is that his reward, he was rewarded like societally yeah. for having been able to fit into the pants. Yeah, agreed. And that's what I think is the worst part. Yeah. I think even a better ending would have been, I did all this stuff, you know, like I did everything brain said. And I do feel better. Like, yeah. But the pants still don't fit. It's been three days. It's been like <laughs> yeah. no time. Yeah. And so maybe his mom sews him a special pair. Yeah. And right. then he's happy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Just because it's been like 10 seconds anyway. It's I not know. like a child could crash diet themselves that fast. Yeah. No. But Arthur. Arthur's Arthur. I don't think Arthur is capable no, of that. Arthur, he doesn't have that no. kind of evil willpower at that moment. absolutely not. Which actually reminds me of, at the end of this episode, I wrote down that Arthur reminds me of Greg Heffley. I love young boy characters who are self-aware and kind of like, almost like femininely self-aware and like not very good at anything, but just very like emotionally intelligent. That's like my favorite type of character. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so now on to the Audrey pick, which is season nine, episode 10, Binky Goes Nuts. It first aired on April 8th, 2005. And the synopsis is, when Binky discovers that he's allergic to peanuts, he has so many questions, but learns that the best way not to go nuts is to be well-informed and to understand his allergy. Yes. So we watched this one with our mom. Mm -hmm. She watched all of them with us. I was really struck by how like exact what happens in the episode is what she did in real life for me, like down to every detail. Um, The only thing that's different is that Binky was not born with this. Yeah. So it's like one of those allergies that gets triggered a little bit later. So that was different. But for example, a no peanut table is created in the cafeteria (laughs) Binky's mom sends out an email to like all the parents mm-hmm. and is like, Binky has a peanut allergy, blah, blah, blah. He's got an EpiPen. Binky specifically, I guess he like loved Chinese food growing up, but I'm like, that's kind of weird. So you really just got this allergy out of nowhere. Yeah. Because like I have been deathly afraid of Chinese food my whole life. Yeah. Because at the end of that, story. He takes his parents to a Chinese restaurant, but he's like, I looked it up and I found out that they make like peanut free dishes. So can we go here? And the parents are like, sure, why not? Um, But that feels really risky to me. (laughs) I know. I know. I'm like, I don't know. Would you be willing to just kind of like explain your herstory with allergies? Because I feel like it was like a big part of your childhood life. Audrey was allergic to milk as well as peanuts when we were young. And it's she's not like fully not allergic to it now, but basically. No, I am not it, allergic. Okay. I just, my so because I grew out of the dairy allergy, my stomach has absolutely no idea how to process dairy. Yeah. And that's why I still don't eat it. It's just because it's unpleasant to digest, not because I'm allergic. Yeah. People always get that confused though. Like, story of my life is explaining the difference between lactose intolerance and a dairy allergy because there's, they're just not very common. Yeah. Like people don't typically have dairy allergies, but most people are some degree of lactose intolerance. So they just get it confused. Yeah. Yeah. So, but my first, what do you want me to say? Like the brownie incident? Yeah. Yeah, sure. I vaguely, I knew I think I was in first grade. I was really young, like Arthur age. You're not a daisy in it? I was a daisy. So that's kindergarten. Yeah. That's actually kindergarten. I knew that I was allergic to something. Mm -hmm. Like that awareness I did have. And I had um, like an allergy bracelet. I forgot about the allergy bracelet. Because like that's, you put an allergy bracelet on children who cannot like advocate for themselves (laughs) about their allergies. Yours was pink and purple. Yeah. It was so cute. I don't know if I had it on that day. I remember thinking it was kind of fierce. Yeah, me too. I yeah. thought it was I thought it was special. <laughs> and I actually bought myself one in like 2018. I actually wore one then. Yeah. And I put Hunter's phone number. <laughs> <laughs> that was just for fun. Yeah. It's like if found, if body found, yeah. please call. Yeah. Anyway, so I was at a Daisy Scout meeting which is pre-brownies. So you're really Mm -hmm. little. You wear like blue aprons, (laughs) literally blue aprons. Yeah. And we were with another troop. Like it wasn't just my troop. It was some kind of meetup. (laughs) And for some reason, mom wasn't there. So maybe I just got carpooled there or something. Mm -hmm. I saw like a plate of cookies and 
I know for a fact that I like went up to one of the moms and asked her <gasps> if I could eat it. No. And she's like, yeah, of course. Like, oh. obviously, you know. Did you just say, can I have that? Yeah, I probably was oh. like, I think I was like, can I eat that? Got it. Okay. Which sounds like, am I allowed? You yeah. know? So she was like, yeah. So I took like one bite and I'm pretty sure it was like a peanut M&M cookie or a peanut butter cookie somewhere yeah. in that range. I took one bite and immediately was like, mm, that was wrong. <laughs> I think I spit it out. The rest is kind of a blur. The rest is history. But I yeah. know that like I threw up in the car into a plastic bag. I was in the car. Yeah. Yeah. We went to the hospital. We went, yeah, we went to the hospital and I was losing my shit. Like I just had no <laughs> clue what was going on. And they like strapped me down because- I remember this. I like could not keep my oh, chill. I just didn't know what they were going to do. Mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So this is Audrey popping in here because we just went to dinner and we just got back. But when we were at dinner, we were speaking with our mother about the truth of the allergy my first allergic reaction tale. And I realized I told a detail wrong. The main thing that did not happen, I was not strapped down on a gurney or something, but mother is here to describe the experience. So what actually happened? What actually happened was they wanted to strap you down. So right. we, we got to the hospital you were having a complete fit. You were freaking out. And the guys who were trying to give you a shot were like, we're going to have to strap her down so we can get the shot in her. The and shot of like epinephrine? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I was like, no, that will not be happening. I have a, an anxious child and I do not want her traumatized by this any more than she already is. I'll take care of this. So do not even think about strapping her down. I'll get on top of her and I will hold her down. And that's what I did. I totally just, Audrey was laying on the hospital bed. I laid right on top of her. I held her both of her hands and I put my leg across her legs to keep her from kicking. <laughs> and my face was right next to her face. And I remember yeah. saying, you know, it's going to be fine. Don't worry. <laughs> Whatever. And it was done before she even knew it happened. Yeah. So how it tends it, to be. It's better to have mom laying on you than to have yeah. strangers strap you down. So, But my memory said I was strapped down. So that's interesting. So before we decided to go to the hospital, I will, okay, do you actually remember how this went down? Like, because what I remember is I was, you were not present at this meeting, but there was another troop there who brought cookies. And I asked a mother, can I eat this cookie? And she said, yes, because she doesn't know me. Oh, correct. And she didn't know what, why I was asking that. I think they literally forgot because there were moms there who knew about yeah. your allergy and they just forgot. Yeah. I got a phone call and they're like, um, um, we think Audrey's having an allergic reaction. Uh, you might need to come and pick her up from the meeting, which was in, in Twinsburg. Oh. So I ha we had to like hot foot it down to Twinsburg. Was I, I carpooled there? Yeah, you went with oh, your okay. brownie troop. Oh. It was your like bluebird or whatever group. Um, Daisy. Daisy. Yeah, Daisy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was the Daisy troop. And, yeah. And... Uh, 
Yeah, so I got that phone call, picked you up, and you had the puffy top. Yeah, I remember sticking my lips into the drinking fountain, actually, like to the water. I oh yeah, and just to cool it down. It's not a real. What you're doing, it does not actually make a difference, but it feels like it yeah, does. Yeah, the cold probably felt good. Yeah. So on the way home, you know, as as a mom, I'm of course, like my heart is racing and I'm freaking out, but you're back there just casual as a cucumber in your car. I mean, you, I think you still had a booster seat in the car at that age. Yeah. And, I was like um, seven, six you were or like, seven. You are like, mom, other than... Uh, other than uh, this reaction, that cookie was pretty good, <laughs> <laughs> which actually made weirdly made me feel better yeah. because you weren't freaking out. You were just like going with the flow. Not yet. That was before it got bad. When we got to the hospital and you had been throwing up in the car on the yeah. way to the hospital. So you were pretty stressed and it was way past yeah. your bedtime by then. Yeah, I actually think we we went all the way home and I tried to go to bed. Yeah, so we yeah. were just going to have you go to bed. And I, I, after we put you to bed, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to call the pediatrician and just see what they said. Because you seemed okay. And, yeah. And they were like, you know what? You need to go to the emergency room because there's the secondary thing mm-hmm. that can happen. You know, you have a first check. reaction and you can have a secondary reaction. And, and we were like, all right, we're going to the hospital. And I was really glad I made that call because I'm— it, <laughs> on the like way On there. the way to the car. We weren't even in the car yet. You threw <laughs> yeah. up. Well, did you already talk about the peanut um, table? I brought it up and I'd said that basically me and Amanda sat there. My right. friend Amanda. Yeah. Because she had diabetes and I yeah. had allergies and we were just there for I each other. I have to say, confession, true confessions of a mom. Mm-hmm. I really thought more of your friends would join you at that table. Yeah. I was really surprised. Well, they didn't because they had peanut butter sandwiches. Right. And so I thought, oh, their mom's going to say, oh, let's support Audrey. We'll we'll pack bologna or something, you know. (laughs) But that did not happen. No, because, I mean, listen, I I don't think, I don't remember being particularly mad or sad at that time. No, I think, in fact, you were like, I don't blame them. I'd want my peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> yeah, I think I was like, I get it. Which I get it too. Yeah. Yeah, it's... And it's so easy and like, they clearly loved them. Like, yeah. I feel like I, I mean, was fine I with it. it. And I was all, I was on the line about, should I, I don't want to like ostracize my child. What's the line between... Safety Safety and... And making and, them and an so, outcast. social outcast, right? So I just thought, well, we'll just try it for a while. And did we do it for like a year? How long did we do it? Maybe even part of the I year? I have no memory of it ending. I mean, I, yeah, I have no memory of it ending officially. It did. It, I think it ended like it, we finished out the school year doing it. And the next year, I didn't try to yeah. make it happen because it was just too, it was just, it was not. And I it wasn't working out. So basically, yeah. I just, you know, told you, you watch what you yes. put your hands Which on. Which honestly is a better lesson. It kind of is because that's real life. If you're a baby, yeah, no peanut table might be necessary. But as soon as you have like the, the logic skills to figure it out, that's more important because that's going right. to be your life. And plus it's like, who you are. You're that kind of person. You know, yeah. you still are. You were that. I remember you came in and read a book. 
all about the peanut allergy. What is a peanut allergy? Yeah. That was that was kind of cute, actually. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the kids were adorable, and you you were happy to have me come in and, yeah. and read that. So that was pretty cute. <laughs> but my issue was I couldn't I couldn't stand it when you left. That was my problem. <laughs> <laughs> like you would come in, that's all well and good, but yeah, no, when you tried go. to leave, it was like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just, you stopped coming into school. <laughs> I know for that reason. Because it caused more trouble than it helped. But Aww. at least when you were really little. Yeah. I mean, in high school, you were okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just kidding. By then. Uh, <laughs> oh, I brought um, yeah. in. Yeah, because there were so many times when in grade school when someone brings in treats. Yeah. And you'd be sitting there All with no school. treat. Yeah. So I just brought in a bag of candy for the teacher to keep in her drawer for any time there was mm-hmm. treats. Like, or, these are safe treats for Audrey. Yeah. Just give her something out of this bag. It was mostly mini Oreos. Yeah, mini Oreos. Yeah. Those was Because that was your fave. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I think you wanted to talk about the epi, me bringing in the EpiPens, oh, too. I- so th- at that time, when you were, when you were little... It was just the beginning of the rise of pe- of food allergies yeah. in kids. And I didn't it, know any other kids with severe. Y- yeah. I'm, the truth is there is actually a ton, but not in my particular environment. Small school. Yeah. But um, there was the rise. It was just going, starting to go up. So there weren't really things in place yet for schools and how to deal with allergies. Like when you got older... It was so common and yeah. the schools had Lots their own policies and everything. Mm-hmm. But when you were little, there were no policies. No. So it was sort of like You're a pioneer. Wild West of parenting a, a kid with allergies. So I yeah. remember going to your first grade teacher with an EpiPen mm-hmm. and saying, can you keep this in your classroom in case Audrey is exposed, you'll have it right here. Yeah. And I was prepared for her to say no. Because that's a lot of responsibility. I thought she would say the school nurse will keep it. Yeah, which is what it became. Well, but she was like, I'll keep it because the nurse isn't always here. Yeah. The school nurse was Mm part-time. So she's like, we need to have one in in my drawer. Yeah. And she said yes. And I was surprised because that's kind of like a personal risk. Yeah. And um, she did it. Yeah. Did you just tell her how to use it or what? Yeah, I went over it with her and she was all right. All good. I'll keep it right here in my drawer. I'm like, I don't even know. I mean, I do theoretically know how to use it. But when the moment comes, I'm like, I ain't doing that. I'm going to the hospital. (laughs) Like when it happened in 2017, I was like, I'm going to the hospital. You would do it if you felt your breathing starting to stop. You probably would do it. but. (laughs) Luckily, you've never had a reaction that that intense. Mm-hmm. I remember specifically with the EpiPen that you showed me how to use it or showed us how to use in it. an apple? And you stabbed it into an apple and like apple juice like yeah. sprung out of it. And that really that, it stuck that with left, me. Yeah, that stuck with me too because I was like, oh, that was too explosive. Because <laughs> the needle's long. I think maybe you didn't anticipate how long the needle was no, going to be. I don't think there was a needle in it. I don't think because it was a tester, but it, there was a little spring action thing that popped out of it that like, like just like 
bumped into the apple and caused like it was I probably, feel like I remember a needle, no? No, Maybe because it was you were actually supposed to practice on your body. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. you didn't want to, so I'm like, all right, no, because I didn't apple. trust that there wasn't a needle in there, there. There was no needle in it. It was more just to practice the motion and where to yeah, where where and what the spring action felt like. Oof. So yeah, you may you have one now, right? You have it. I do. Yeah. Yeah. So you. But no. yeah, again, like when it happened in 2017, I was like, I'm just going to go straight to the hospital. Yeah. I didn't bother with that. Yeah. Okay. Now we're going to jump back into the timeline previous to us discussing this topic with our mother. Those are some dusty memories yeah. that just came up now. But yeah, that was definitely part of our childhood was pretzel rods and mm-hmm. all of the Audrey snacks. But it was it's just funny because you are so uninhibited with what your range of what you were and able I to eat. And I still am. Yeah. I like to eat. Is that a crime? <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, moving on to our final episode. Season 7, episode 10. This episode is called April 9th. April 9th begins like any normal day until a fire destroys the teacher's lounge and forces Lakewood Elementary to close. As Arthur and his friends struggle with their feelings about the fire, they wonder if life will ever return to normal. But with support, they discover that by reaching out and working together, they can help each other through the most difficult of times. This episode I found and put into this lineup because there are... A lot of other episodes that I could have picked that are very like funny and that we really remember from our childhood. But I think that Arthur really does tackle some very serious subjects and in a very like refined way. And this episode has generally been referred to as like the 9-11 episode. It actually came out on September 11th, 2002. Mm-hmm. So... Essentially, the episode is about the various ways mm-hmm. that the kids deal with a traumatic event in their school. Yeah. Um, and that there's there's paranoia, there's a bit of like an OCD, there or not yeah. or like yeah, like an OCD yeah. type energy, a PTSD type yeah. thing, and just all the really varying ways that kids would respond to a traumatic situation. Yeah. And how like none of them are wrong, but they're all real. (laughs) Yeah. They're valid. Yeah. But I just found it to be like really finely handled. It never made fun of any of their reactions, even when some of the things that they're doing could be played for laughs. Like, for example, in the episode, Arthur's dad is in the school when the fire starts and he's not entirely sure if his dad will make it out of the school or not, but his dad makes it out of the school, obviously. And the dad goes on to tell Arthur this story about how, who got in a car accident in the story? Like his grandma or his mom. It was one of the two. I think his grandma. Yeah. It was like, it was the same person that he was checking on. It wasn't like someone died and then they were checking yeah, on Yeah, yeah. I think it was that Mr. Reed's mom got in a car accident, but like she ended up being fine. But every time his mom would leave the house after that, he would be really scared and he would sit in his room and throw 
crumpled up balls of paper into his trash can, like shooting baskets with the trash. And in his mind, if he sunk more balls than he did miss them, then his mom would be fine, which feels very like step on a crack, break your mother's back type thing. And it's a coping mechanism. Coping mechanism. Binky just talks about how he's like, he wasn't scared. He wasn't scared, but actively like has panic attacks and stuff after the fire. And then I think it's Sue Ellen loses her longtime journal in the fire, Mm -hmm. which like that really, (laughs) that really struck a chord with me. Like I've thought about losing all my notebooks before and that would be very sad to me. Yeah. Because that's like your life, you Mm -hmm. know, and it can't be replaced. And And then Buster's was good because it was like Mm -hmm. he accidentally was late to school that day. He slept through when the fire actually began. Mm -hmm. And so after the fact, he's like, dang it. Like, of course, when something exciting happens, I'm not there. And everyone's like, you should be happy you weren't there. And he's like, okay, I wish I was there though. And then as time goes on, he's like talking to his mom and he's like, everybody's so sad and I just can't feel sad. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of interesting though, because that would also be a real reaction Mm -hmm. of a child who had been there also. Like, you know, when people talk about like latent grief, if somebody dies or something like that, like you, you're not sad yet. Mm -hmm. And then it it takes time to hit you. So I thought it was kind of interesting that they had Buster have that reaction when he wasn't there. I feel like that checks out. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, I agree. You can't feel like the immediacy because you weren't there. Yeah. Um, he he does have this whole plot line though where he basically ends up befriending one of the teachers who got injured in the fire and that teacher ends up having to move away so his daughter can take care of her but on the way out him. <laughs> oh yeah him sorry <laughs> he leaves Buster his accordion and so Buster learns how to play the accordion and he like calls Arthur on his walkie talkie yeah. and he like really cutely plays him a song over the walkie talkie it's Clementine and it's cute there's just something about the episode that is really it feels really perfect for the demographic mm-hmm. Because the beginning actually is pretty scary. Yeah. Like the kids' reactions to the fire and Arthur wants to run back in and get his dad, Mm -hmm. but they prevent him from going back in. Like that part is actually really scary. And I thought that they just like handled the fallout of it really perfectly. Yeah. And the thing with the binky part too is like, it's not just that he's like, I wasn't scared. Before he starts saying that, they kind of show this moment while the fire is happening that Binky specifically is like really fixated on the flames. Yeah. And like the smoke coming out of the door. Yeah. And he kind of had this like more visceral moment, yeah. it seems, than the yeah. other kids. When you go into the A Word From Us Kids section, it is the kids in their classroom learning about fire safety from these fire people. First of all, there's like the most lesbian firefighter I've ever seen in my life in this group of people. And then it's like two very Boston white guys. And it really made me think about the fact that if there is one thing we learned in elementary school. It's about fucking fires. It was fire safety. Yeah. We learned fire safety so hard. Yeah. Like feeling the door to see if it's Because hot. it's like the least political thing. Yeah. That you can teach children about. That's totally true. 
I think that's why it's so like covered is because it's just completely apolitical. Like it's just fire. No human can have a stance on right. fire. Fire is not. Hu- well, I mean, it could be. It could be set by a person, but that's not. But really- literally, fire safety apolitical. Yeah, that's not how we think about fires. No. Let's not politicize fire let's safety. Let's not politicize fire safety. You know what? I wouldn't put it past people. Like, let the limbs we not, die right. <laughs> in the fire. Do we not trust public servants like <laughs> firefighters? Like, okay, did I dream this or was this real? I swear to God, this was real. At our elementary school. I know what you're going to say. They brought this like trailer yeah. thing, put it in the parking lot, and it was a simulator. Yeah for what it would be like if there was a fire in your home. It was crazy. Now, what the hell was it that was about? Mini, it was a mini house. Yeah. It was like a kindergartner size house. And you well, had to like crawl around in these hallways. And they, they, I think they put in like water vapor or something to simulate yeah, the go. smoke. But the I was weird, terrified. It was really scary. And I remember them being, because when you see it, you're kind of like, ooh, this is a fun house. Yeah. And I remember them very much being like, this is not a fun house. Yeah. But it's it, so big. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's the second time that's come up in the yeah. past 24 hours. I mean, that was just like, they took it a little far with that one. Just like how Dare takes it far with yeah. drunk driving. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe some of you can relate to this. I was talking to some people the other day and they said they did not do the drunk goggles. Was that you? No, I did the drunk goggles. Yeah, like in our Dare class, the police officer who ran the program did the drunk goggles exercise with us. We were in sixth grade. <laughs> <laughs> and to those who don't know what it is. You, you, one by one, you come up, you put on these, they look like science goggles yeah. type of thing, but they're distorted to simulate if you were drunk, <laughs> like what your vision impairment would be like. And then you walk the line. They make you do the test. I'm like 10 years old, like 11 years old, walking the line. Of course, we all think it's hilarious and so fun. (laughs) And then he's over here like teaching us nicknames for cocaine. I'm like, it's just so funny. Right, right, right. He's like, that that snow, (laughs) that Mary Jane. (laughs) Yep. I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Like. They, they, Mommy it is always a stereotype that. that like dare officers teach children how to find drugs, but it is kind of yeah. true. Mom used to always say that. She'd be like, he is teaching you drugs. Yeah. Like you wouldn't know if these people weren't telling you. And, like, he's like making up drug and he's like that Lucy Bluesy. <laughs> like, he's yeah. like, yeah. what else? Yeah. Like gangs. Oh, you know what I loved? Did you in a, yeah, okay, in health class, when we had that really skinny health textbook in elementary Mm -hmm. school, and at the end of each chapter, there'd be like a what would you do question. I used to skip through the chapters just to look at the what would you do questions where it's like, you're hanging out after school with two of your friends. One of them offers you a cigarette. What do you do? (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes we would have to like write them as like a response. I loved those. It's kind of like how I loved Dear Abby as a kid. Like a hypothetical example, ethical question. I loved those as a kid. Yeah. Even in the health book where it's so obvious what they want you to say. I feel like I'm always unsatisfied with those because nobody can ensure me enough that that, that what you did was the right thing. Like there is not necessarily always the right thing. Yeah. So it's like, they'll, or you know what I hated in elementary school is like (laughs) the teacher is 
calling on several children to answer the same question. And after each child answers, they don't say yes or no. They just go, they just go, all right. They're just, they're just kind of saying, okay, moving on. I'm like, okay, was it good or bad? (laughs) Yeah. Like, was it right or wrong? Like, I, did I have the best answer or not? Right. You know? Like, I want to know. I hated that. Yeah. That's why I don't raise my hand ever. Because I'm like, they're not going to validate me. Oh, my God. You know? Very yeah. rarely. Yeah. Especially if they're looking for, like, a bunch of answers. I'm like, I don't want to be a part of that. Yeah. I need it to be right <laughs> or wrong. That is very type A of you. Yeah. But I just didn't raise my hand very often because... I wasn't paying attention all that often, I guess. I I often just felt like I had nothing to say. Most of the time, I'm like, yeah. they're like, is anyone going to raise their hand? I'm like, I, you're like, absolutely not. I have nothing Weren't to say. We just talking about this the other day that we hated being forced to talk. Yeah. Yeah. It's just That was the okay, worst. me at NYU having to be in writing workshops being like, this script... Like, you're required to give feedback on every yeah. single thing. I'd be like, I have nothing to fucking say about this. I like, mean, it sucks because in retrospect, especially when you, like, become more passionate about a topic mm-hmm. later, you're like, oh, I really could, like, do that class justice now. Yeah. But you also know that if you were there in that moment, you'd also be like, fuck this. I don't want to do this. Yeah. Like, what is it with school where it's, like, the second that it's not... The second that it is required that you are somewhere and say this thing, you just don't want to do it, even though you literally signed up for it. Because it it takes away the intrinsic motivation once you're like, you've signed your name on the dotted line to do it. Yeah. It's like, okay, now it's the, now it's the institution. Now it's the man that wants me to do this. And now it's no longer interesting. Yeah. It's like. Period. Stupid. It's really stupid. Yeah. Anyway, I think. April 9th is a fantastic episode. I was really glad that we watched it. And shout out to the WGBH team and Mark Brown for slaying that one. I thought it was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Now, to wrap us up here, on the cultural impact of Arthur, which I think we can both say is very significant. This is a quote from an article that was published in AV Club on March 16th, 2022, which again is when the series was coming to an end. They wrote, In a time when the show's principles seemed to be on trial in America, the way that Arthur blazed a trail with thoughtfulness and mindfulness seems more necessary now than ever before. What started as a new form of educational and entertaining children's programming transformed into timeless lessons and a legitimate legacy. February 21st may have marked the conclusion of original material from Arthur, but its lasting impact that viewers carry with them beyond the screen will always make it a wonderful kind of day. Even though there are parts where the kids are like very blunt with each other, I do think that there is a certain level of like respect that is baked into the way the show is and the way that the characters interact with each other that is the opposite of Hannah Montana or like Victoria's. They always, I mean, they always, for the most part, do show a reconciliation. They show like reparative relationship like it's not everyone in Arthur is rehabilitated in every episode yeah well pretty much and like even though I I don't know how continuous I mean the show went on for so long continuity might be really all over Mm -hmm. the place but as far as continuity within each episode yeah everything gets yeah 
I will say when I was researching stuff today, I found out that there is an extremely lively Arthur Reddit community. And one of the threads that I saw like a second of was like, what's the most disturbing Arthur continuity error you've (laughs) experienced or something like that? There's just so much of it. And it is for such young kids. Like I can't really blame them for a continuity error. No, it's it would be impossible not to. You're going to make a show for 25 years. Yeah. It's just going to happen. I mean, the people working on the show are going to be different. It happened in succession like it can happen in Arthur. Yeah. This person said that February 21st, 2022 marks the end of original material from Arthur. However, this is so, this is borderline too much for me. But there is an Arthur podcast now and Mm -hmm. it is scripted. It's fictional. So there are still Arthur stories coming out. I think the fact that there is a PBS created (laughs) children's podcast (laughs) speaks to my sensibilities so hard. It's kind of, it's like a meme of itself, but I just think the idea of children listening to podcasts (laughs) is really funny. Yeah. But they make children's podcasts. People probably thought children watching TV was kind of funny too. Yeah. At the very beginning. Yeah. So Arthur definitely lived up to my expectations and my memories. Also, all of the music, even just like the transitional music, is perfection. Mm -hmm. It's so good. So I would definitely recommend letting Arthur become a comfort show in your rotation. It is so good. So funny. So timeless. It's very timeless. Mm -hmm. And... It slapped for me. Definitely play it for children if you have children around. All that being said. You can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover dash cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at tupingproductions.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube at Sleepover Cinema and post a full video version of each episode on YouTube every Thursday, except for today. It's just sound, but that's fine. You can follow me, Audrey, at Audrey A. Leach on everything. And you can follow me, Hannah, at Real Judy Garland on Instagram and at Lana Von Trapp on Twitter. And if you haven't joined our Discord server yet, you are cordially invited. And you can find the link to that server in the episode description. You can check out our merch at tubingproductions.com slash shop. It would be a very logical time to get a holiday gift for somebody. You better order it now because it's going to get scary pretty soon. If you like Sleepover Cinema, if you have feedback for me personally, <laughs> leave a review giving it to me. If you have feedback for me, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I am known to be able to take a note no matter how public the forum is that I am getting it delivered to me. So ask and you shall receive. <laughs> Seriously. Be careful what you wish like, for. These bitches keep begging for reviews. I'll let them have it. <laughs> I genuinely appreciate the candor. I'm not mad. <laughs> it's just funny that that's how I found out. So anyway, leave us a review with your spicy takes and we will read them as long as we aren't too scared you to check You can say them. the nastiest shit ever, but five stars. That's you know all what I mean? Saying, yeah. It's like, I, I, that's actually all that matters. Yeah. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcast, produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Roll Hoffman with theme music by Josh Perlman Hall. Executive producer is Michael D'Aloya. What a wonderful kind of day. Hey! Hey! DW! Oh! <laughs> <laughs>
What was that? That's the glass. Uh-oh. Shattering. <laughs> Did not recognize that fully. It worked it. in my brain, I swear. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Califato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.